Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast, where this year we are sharing 52 financial tips to transform your finances. So if you want to be better at managing your money, you want to pay off debt, you want to buy your first home, or you want to learn about investing and where to invest, how to begin, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further delay, let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome to this week's tip. Now we are in week eight right now, and I'm extremely conscious that in the last seven, we've covered quite a lot of ground in terms of topics and in terms of tips. Particularly in week six and week seven, we spoke about a topic that is a really big concern for a lot of people. It's something that the population is struggling with, and that's debt. It's it's a burden, it's a cause for stress, it's a cause for anxiety. For some people with really heavy debt burdens, it can be a source of depression. And whilst this program is designed to move quite quickly because it's a tip a week, I just wanted to take a minute just to pause and just to kind of convey to you guys that if there is anything during the course of these 52 weeks that we cover that you want to spend a bit more time on or perhaps want to ask more questions about, then do not hesitate to drop me a message either in the community or on Instagram. And if you are in the community, I know you guys do this already and the communication is great. I'd encourage you to keep that up. If you are listening to this via the podcast, then do find me on Instagram at Conversation of Money. And if you're watching this on YouTube, leave me a message in the comments or try and contact me on Instagram. Now, with that said, we are moving on to another topic this week and we're going to spend another two weeks on this particular one because what I want to do in this week is give you the foundations, give you the basics. The basics are really, really important. I talk a lot about this because these are the things that are going to form the basis of the knowledge and the tips that we move on to. So this week we're talking about an asset. It might not be your house, it might not be cash, it might not be your investments, but it is an asset nonetheless. And to some people, it's just two words smashed together that mean absolutely nothing. But let me tell you this, the data and what this thing can do for you can change your life. So it is one of the biggest assets you can have. So this week's tip is understanding your credit score. So your credit score is a digital persona. It's simply a a data bank of information about you. And I always liken your credit score to tools that you use when you go out on the pool. If you're single out there on the market, then you'll probably go out and you put your best clothes on, you make sure you smell lovely because you want to attract the right kind of suitor. Your credit score is exactly the same in the financial world. Your credit score is what you use to attract the right suitor when you want to go and buy your car, when you want to apply for a credit card, when you want to get on the property ladder. Therefore, this batch of data that the lenders use to assess you is your biggest asset. It needs to be looked after. It could be the difference between you achieving financial dreams, financial goals, life goals, and achieving nothing at all. So your credit score is essentially a data file which contains information like whether you've had any missed payments, late payments, how much money you owe on credit cards, on personal loans, in your car finance categories, 
how much you owe on your mortgage. And the data basically is used to give the banks an idea of whether you are the kind of person they want to lend money to. It records whether you have paid off any, any of your debts early or whether you've just literally ran the course of your finance agreements and paid off your debts that way. It gives the lenders a very, very broad, intricate look at your financial behavior and whether you are credit worthy. So in the UK, there are three credit reference agencies. There's Equifax, there's Experian, and there's a company called TransUnion, which used to be called Call Credit. Now, it's interesting to know that whilst you have quite a few lenders, banks out there, not all of them use all three of the credit reference agencies. So for example, if you're going for a mortgage with HSBC, they may only use Equifax or Experian. They may not use all three. And it's also interesting to note that whilst these three credit agencies are collecting data on you, each of them may actually have a slightly different variation of the information they hold. Therefore, first tip for you is this. If you are going to be looking to get on the property ladder or you are looking to purchase your new car or take out a personal loan or a business loan, it's really important for you to ask the question of who the credit ref who your lender is going to credit reference you with. If it is Experian, then it's important that you get sight of your Experian credit report. And there is a difference between a credit score and a credit report. I'll come back to that fairly shortly. So in short, lenders will use at least one of those three credit reference agencies. Now, the difference between a credit report and a credit score is that a score is effectively a number. So some of the credit reference agencies will score out of a thousand and you may have a credit score of 800 out of a thousand. Others will score out of 500. So you may have 400 out of 500. A score is effectively a number which is generated and derived from your credit report. Your credit report is slightly more in depth. Your credit report has all the tangible information that the lenders will use like missed payments, late payments, how much you owe, who with, and how long for. When you are looking at your credit score, it's really important to pay attention to the detail that sits underneath that in your credit report. So why is this important is the obvious and evident question that everybody is going to be asking. Well, the reality is that your credit report, like I said before, is one of your biggest assets. If you want to buy your first property, you want to buy a car, you want to take out a business loan, a personal loan, or take out any kind of credit cards or any kind of credit, you are going to need this. You may be in your early 20s, or early 30s, and your dream might be to build a property portfolio where you're going to need a healthy credit score and credit report in order for you to get your first property and start building your portfolio from there. You cannot have one without the other. So it's really important that you pay attention to your credit score, you monitor it, you track it, you nurture it, and you do everything possible to make sure that it is healthy. So there are three credit reference agencies and this begs the question, well, where do they get all their information from? So in this next section, what I want to do is I want to give you an outline of where all of the data comes from 
and try and give you an indication of how the information is used. The first source of information that goes onto your credit file is the electro roll. And the electro roll is simple but effective in that it allows them to understand where you've been for the last 10 to 15 years, that you've been registered at a fixed address for a period of time. And this is an important one because if you're looking to purchase a car, for example, they wanna know where the car's gonna be. They wanna know where you live so that if you were to default, they can reclaim the car from you. Now, it's often a negative indicator on your credit file if you've either moved around a lot or you've not been registered at previous addresses on the electoral roll. That often has a, a knock-on effect to your score and to your report and does often affect your credit worthiness if you're going for certain kind of lending. The second source of information is court records. And if you've ever defaulted on any of your commitments prior and it goes to a county court judgment, all this kind of stuff is fed into the credit reference agencies because they want to know if you've missed payments or you've got to the point where you do have a county court judgment against you. It makes you uncreditworthy, unfortunately. And this information is very, very important because what the lenders and the banks are looking to do is make the right choice in assessing the risk of lending any individual any money at all. The third is searched addresses and linked data. What that basically means is they actually have a look back over previous searches and previous addresses. So if you've made any prior applications, they have a look through all of this data for inconsistencies, and there's rhyme and reason behind that. If you're making multiple applications and the information on each of those applications are different, then that obviously throws up a red flag to any lender around the trustworthiness of the person applying for the credit at the time. So this information is really important. And when you apply for things, it's important that you keep things consistent, that you know what you're putting down and try not to fabricate anything. It always comes to light in the end. You won't be surprised to know that another source of data for the credit reference agencies is actually account data. So if you bank with HSBC, Lloyds, Santander, Starling, all of these banks, all of these institutions feed information into the credit reference agencies. Why? Because they are a group of companies that benefit from this information. So if you are regularly over your overdraft or you're overdrawn without having an authorized overdraft or you, know, you have late payments and missed payments on your account, all of this information is going into your credit report. So even to the point of how you conduct your current accounts is extremely important to stay on top of. Every little bit of information, everything that you do with your bank account and all of your financial transactions, all of it feeds in. So you need to pay attention to the minutiae, to the really tiny details. It won't be a surprise for you guys to know that the banks also provide data. So account data goes onto your credit file. And the reason for this is should be pretty evident. These banks all work together in some way, shape or form. They all lend each other money. And therefore it is advantageous for all of them to share information about their customers so that they know if your account is overdrawn without an overdraft facility, whether you're over your overdraft facility, whether you have missed payments or late payments on your account. They share information around how you conduct your account. So while sometimes it may feel as though that information isn't really relevant, it's not really important, 
it really, really does make a huge difference to your credit score and your credit report. Utility providers also provide data into the credit reference agencies. Remember, the whole point of a credit report or credit score is to get an overview of your financial behavior. So regardless of whether you have your mobile phone with EE or O2, your gas and electric with Octopus or British Gas, your payment history is logged. Whether you miss payments, whether you have late payments, all of that is fed in because it builds a robust picture of your financial behavior. So people often think, well, mobile phones don't really matter. It's not gonna have an impact. That is not true. It has a huge impact. So how does it work when you're looking to apply for a credit facility with a lender? It could be car finance, mortgage, personal loan, credit card. Well, there are a couple of things that you need to be aware of. First and foremost, what they're looking at to begin with is the application. And what they're looking for here is they're looking to understand, number one, what you're looking to do, how much you're looking to borrow, and they're also gonna be looking to gauge affordability. So they'll be looking at your income and your expenditure. And these are the kind of things that you have to fill out in the application form. Whoever you're dealing with in your bank or with the who represents a lender will ask you for this information. Now, it's important at this stage to kind of understand how the credit scoring system works depending on what you're applying for. Now, for example, if you are applying for a mortgage, you are applying to buy a property, an asset, a physical thing that they could potentially repossess if you were to default. That's called secured lending. Now, unsecured lending will be things like your personal loans where they're simply lending you a ton of money over a period of time, but there isn't a physical asset that they can repossess to recuperate any of their money if you were to default. Therefore, typically with a lot of the lenders, the scoring can be different depending on which of the two you're going for. So for example, if you're buying a house, they may not score you quite as harshly. The, the scoring criteria will be very, very different to if you're applying for a personal loan, simply because, and they say this on all of the mortgage applications, whenever you speak to any mortgage or see any advert on mortgages, your house may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments. They have a physical asset that they can actually draw back. So the application is the very first port of call, the first thing that they're looking at. And again, with the application form, it's really important that you make sure that you're accurate and make sure that you pay attention to detail. For example, if you're looking to purchase a home and you earn £50,000, missing a zero could knock everything out of the water. So you want to make sure you get those things right. You make sure you want to double check them. So the second thing they're going to be looking at is your credit report, your credit score. Now, your credit report, I've told you, holds all of this information about you. It is rich data from multiple sources. It builds a picture of your financial behavior. Now they're gonna be looking at missed payments, late payments, any defaults, any uh, county court judgments, any bankruptcy orders. They're gonna be looking at how you run your accounts with your bank, whether you've been overdrawn, whether you've been overdrawn over your overdraft limit, whether you've had missed payments, late payments from there. They're going to be looking at all of the data around, have you paid your phone bill on time? Have you paid your gas and electric on time? Have you been late with either of those? Your credit report has so much rich data they will give them an idea of your credit worthiness. So they're gonna go through that information pretty in-depthly based on whether you are looking for secured lending or unsecured lending. Now, there are some things that the lenders don't know about you, and I'm gonna bust a few myths here because 
there is a misconception that there are certain things that they can see that they simply can't. But one of the things that they don't see and they don't know is what your credit score is. So again, there's a difference between a credit score and a credit report. Your score is a number out of a bigger number. They don't physically get to see that. Frankly, they don't care about that number. What they're interested in is scrutinizing what's in your report, and they could easily come to a conclusion of how they would score you to a number. So your actual credit score, if you're looking at you know, clear score and some of these other things, they don't actually get to see that. They do care about it, but they more care about the data that's in your credit report itself than the number. The other thing that they don't see is they don't see any declined applications. However, they can make an educated guess based on number of applications, that the, the detail of the previous application as to whether you would have been accepted or declined. Other things that they don't see, and these are the common misconceptions, is that they get to see what race, religion, and ethnicity you are. That is not recorded on any credit referencing agency's database in any way, shape, or form. They simply cannot see that information. Salary, how much you earn, they cannot see that either. However, whenever you are looking to apply for any borrowing facility, that is one of the questions in the application form. That is not to say that if you apply for something and you're earning £30,000 and you say you earn £60,000 that they can't find out because as part of the application, what they're going to do is ask you for evidence of your salary, bank statements, pay slips, those kind of things. So it's very, very difficult to to falsify this kind of information. And I would argue, why would you want to? Because that information is gonna get recorded and it will impact your applications in the future. So it makes no sense to do that. The other thing that they don't see are savings accounts details. Now, clearly, if you bank with Barclays and you're applying for a mortgage with Barclays, then they may have that information on their systems. But again, when you're applying for things like this, they have to use your information appropriately. So if your savings account balance is not important to the reason or for the purpose of your lending, then they cannot take that into consideration. That's to do with GDPR and, and treating customers fairly and all this kind of stuff. So the last thing that they cannot see is they do not see your medical history. And you could argue that your medical history gives an indication of whether you're able to work or not. But most lenders in most circumstances with lending aren't particularly interested in that. So guys, that is your credit scores and your credit reports. It's really important that you understand this stuff. Next week, we're going to move, be moving on to 10 tips to help you improve your credit score and your credit report. If you have any questions on anything I've covered today, you know where I am, DM me. If you are listening to this on the podcast, thank you for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification for videos every week on Monday. Catch you later. Another great episode down, but our journey together doesn't have to end here. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're listening on right now. And please don't forget to give us a good rating. That would mean the world to me. If you feel connected to the podcast and you found value in the episode that you've listened to today, join our free community where you will find free resources and more in-depth content on all things finance and money. And you will also find a community where you'll be supported by people who are on a similar journey to you. Links to our free community can be found on our website, conversationofmoney.com or on our Instagram at conversation 
of money. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Again, it means the world to me. I'm your host, Peter. Until next week, take care.